The Spirit of God is moving upon His people and He is raising up a generation that is prepared for power that will touch this world. They lived amongst the ruins, they were the last human force The remnant that refused to serve the robot Trojan horse Forced to migrate underground, avoiding drones and scans To navigate the darkness and get birth without implants The time we knew was coming, the breaking of the seals Unfolding right before our eyes, the Antichrist revealed Technology advanced beyond the scope of human hands Attached itself inside the soul of man and took command But those who saw it coming were the fragment that remained Avoiding the enslavement and the merging of all brains they were forced below the surface in the darkness of the caves Inside the belly of the beast to carry on the flame Like relics from the past they were progenitors of truth No human leader but the word of God to show them through But they counted themselves worthy to suffer for his name A blessing to be living and rejoicing through the pain They were born to be survivors predestined for that time Protected and preserved to be a witness to the blind Like those who came before this The Daniels and the Jonas The Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego's were in the furnace like Noah in the flood, they were preserved inside the ark A chosen few remained and were uniquely set apart The world turned all against him, yet their mission still remained They lived each day alive in Christ and knew to die was gained They have been in the wilderness, they have been in the caves They have been in obscurity, they have been behind the scenes No one has known their names, no one even recognized them But they have been recognized by heaven Because they have been seeking the face of the Father Before the singularity Long before technology invaded our biology Like history repeating it was written to unfold These mysteries all leading to the oldest story told They built upon the tower until Babylon gave birth Attempting to be gods by making flesh and iron merge Although we saw it coming we didn't know it was so near Some tried to look away to avoid their deepest fears But with each passing moment it enveloped every mind Through comfort and convenience and expanding human lives Expanding information too explosive to contain Beyond the scope and understanding of our tiny brains It soon became the norm to transform the human form The brewing of a coming storm we've never seen before The day we started customizing children by design And modifying DNA to make ourselves divine First the powerful elitists all began to get implants The rich and famous followed suit to be the most advanced They thought themselves enlightened so much wiser and evolved Most didn't know the root of all this evil was involved Uploaded all their minds Inside an AI quantum hive Made in the image of a man The beast now come alive They relinquished all control And put their trust in the machine And extinguished any chance That souls could ever be redeemed And God is bringing them out To the forefront in this time To change the course of history And change a generation And bring a revolution of revival So one day this last generation Will step right into heaven Listening to the place for unfiltered, no holds barred truth from the Word of God, the Remnant Report. I am your host, the Remnant Warrior. Here you will learn what's really going on in this world we live in, as well as what you can do about it. Make no mistake, friends, we are right in the middle of a war for no less than your very souls. 
the enemy has spies everywhere and will certainly use every weapon that he has because he knows that his time is short. From the very beginning, God declared his end. From on Calvary's tree, we find forgiveness of our sin. So he who hath an ear, let him hear. Open your eyes so now you can see. The king is coming in the clouds with 10,000 of his holy ones to save the righteous, judge the wicked, and slay the prophet and the beast. So now, let's get this program started. Okay, well, uh, brothers and sisters, I am um, having to start again, and I apologize for that. I don't know um, how many of you uh, will be coming back. For some reason there was a problem and there was no sound and then eventually the uh, recording just stopped. So what I am going to do is already um, when I restarted it I didn't have a um, introduction at all and that's okay um, all I can do is uh, I'm going to share it really quick let everybody know that we're back on and things like this. You gotta love when the enemy does his best to keep the truth from getting out. But you know what? It doesn't bother me because it lets me know that um, And sharing is an important one, and that uh, God wants it to get out, and that hopefully um, Let's see here we're gonna go to messenger here and try to get the uh, people who were already on back on and also um try to uh get some more people on because uh I'm telling you man the uh 
the enemy did his best to keep this program from getting out. I mean, seriously. Let's see here. Kingdom Productions. Here we go. All right. I have done all the sharing I am going to do. And now I am... Yeah, that's right. It's something the enemy doesn't want out. Okay, brother, I need you to do me a favor. I am going, I think that the reason, I cut my mic off before, and I think that's why it had no sound, although it shouldn't be like that because the introduction played fine, and every other time I do exactly what I did tonight, the sound plays fine when I cut my mic off. The reason I cut my mic off is so that everybody can hear the you know, whatever's being played, and if I, you know, breathe into the mic or whatever, that it doesn't uh, mess with the sound. But regardless, um, it didn't work out tonight, but I, I don't think that was the problem because it also, um, for some reason, it just stopped. I mean, it completely stopped. It completely stopped the entire program. So here we go. I'm going to start again. Point number one because of the Jews' unfaithfulness. You to let me know in the chat that uh, you can hear what's being played. God has rejected the fleshly nation of Israel. He has taken their kingdom from them and given it to another. That's point one. Point two, because of Israel's rejection of God, his prophets, and his son, God has had to raise up children of Abraham from among the Gentiles as well as from among a remnant of the Jews who do believe. Together, the believing Gentiles and the believing Jews constitute the Israel of God. The kingdom of God has been given to them. Point number three. In some time in the future, there will be a turning back to God on the part of either the majority of the Jews or at least a remnant of them. Now, if you're like most Bible-believing Christians today, you've already mentally skipped to point number three, and you've tended to ignore points one and two. However, let me tell you this. You're never going to arrive at a proper biblical understanding of Israel unless you grasp all three of these points. We can never get to point three, which is where everyone seems to want to be, until points one and two have been fulfilled. And I think... The witness of the early church can help us considerably in this regard. It can put a lot of the things that are written today maybe in a little bit different perspective. So now I want to read to you some passages from the early Christians that are going to deal with point one, God's rejection of Israel. And 
perhaps you're going to find these a little grating. If you've already in your mind just focused on point three, the return of Israel to God, you're going to find what they say very harsh, very irritating. But then we're going to go look at the script. I pray that you guys can hear it because I'm not seeing uh, anybody saying in the chat whether you can or not. That are absolutely just as harsh, just as direct, just as candid as anything the early Christians say. So let's begin. Let's start with Justin Martyr writing about the year 160. Incidentally, you can find these quotations in uh, my work, A Dictionary of Early Christian Beliefs, under two uh, headings. One is going to be uh, Israel and one is going to be Jew or Jews. And you'll not only find the ones I'm reading to you, but, but many more besides. And so I'd encourage you to look there. If you don't have a dictionary, but you have the Antinicene Fathers, I'm going to give you the pages that I'm reading from, so you can go and look these up and read the whole context of them. Okay, now, in this passage from Justin Martyr, which is found in Volume 1, page 269, Justin is speaking to a Jew, and he says, The Jews beguile, that means deceive, themselves and you, for they suppose that the everlasting kingdom will be assuredly given to those of the dispersion who are of Abraham after the flesh, even though they are sinners, are faithless, and are disobedient towards God. However, the scriptures have proved this is not the case. Otherwise, our Lord would not have said, They will come from the east and from the west and will sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. All right, this next passage is from Irenaeus, written about the year 170, maybe 180, volume 1, page 515. We read, Inasmuch as the former, talking about the Jews, have rejected the Son of God and cast him out of the vineyard where, when they slew him, God has justly rejected them. He has given to the Gentiles outside the vineyard the fruits of its cultivation. All right, Clement of Alexandria, writing about the year 195. You can find this in volume 2, page 256. I don't remember if I gave you the uh, citation on Irenaeus. It's volume 1, page 515. Anyway, Clement says this. The Lord was not known by the people who erred, for they were not circumcised in understanding. Their darkness was not enlightened. They knew not God, and they denied the Lord, so they forfeited the place of the true Israel. Tertullian, writing about the year 197, which is in volume 3, page 152, says, Thus has the lesser people, that is the elder people, overcome the greater people. For the lesser have acquired the grace of divine favor from which Israel has been divorced. And again, Tertullian, volume 3, page 247, the Jews had formerly been in covenant with God, but being afterwards cast off on account of their sins, they began to be without God. Hippolytus, writing about the year 205, from volume 5, page 202. However, he does not say that the Jews are to, are to be cut off. For that reason, their race still subsists, and the succession of their children is continued. <clears throat> okay, so he did not say the Jews would be annihilated and would disappear as a people. However, they continue only as those who have been rejected and cast down from the honor of which of old they were deemed worthy by God. Okay, this next passage is from Origen, written about the year 248. You can find this in volume 4, page 508 of the early Christian writings, where it says... We take our stand against the Jews on those scriptures that they believe to be divine, which show that he who was spoken of in prophecy has come, and that they have been abandoned on account of the greatness of their sins. 
And again, he says, volume 4, page 614, Since the coming of Christ, no prophets have arisen among the Jews, for they have confessedly been abandoned by the Holy Spirit because of their impiety towards God and towards Him, talking about Jesus, of whom their prophets spoke. Now, I know these uh, probably sound a bit repetitive, but I want you to listen to all of these so that you can see for yourselves this is what they all believe. You're not going to find anybody outside some of the heretical groups who believe anything different. Cyprian, writing about the year 250, volume 5, page 451, says, But the children of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He's quoting from Scripture there. In fact, a lot of what I read to you are quotations from Scripture in, inside these uh, passages from the early church. Anyway, Cyprian continues. <clears throat> he shows that the Jews were previously children of the kingdom so long as they continued also to be children of God. However, after the name of the Father ceased to be recognized among them, the kingdom also ceased. Just two more. Lactantius, writing in the early 300s, volume 7, page 123, says, Having suffered death for us, Christ made us heirs of his everlasting kingdom, the people of the Jews being deprived and disinherited. However, it is plain that the house of Judah does not signify the Jews whom he cast off. Rather, it signifies us, who have been called by him out of the Gentiles and have succeeded to their place by adoption. And they are called sons of the Jews. And finally, from the Apostolic Constitutions, compiled around the year 390, this is in volume 7, page 451, says, The wicked synagogue is now cast off by the Lord God. He has rejected his own house. As he says, according from Scripture, I have forsaken my house, I have left my inheritance. Now, some of you may be thinking to yourselves, well, that's awful, that's anti-Semitic, what the early Christians were saying. But we're going to see now that what they said is absolutely no stronger than what's in Scripture. They've added nothing to the Scriptures at all. As you've heard me say many times, if you want to know what the early Christians believed on any subject... Read the New Testament, take the totality of all verses dealing with that passage in the New Testament, give them a very serious and literal interpretation, and you're going to arrive at what the early Christians believed. And it's no different on the subject of Israel. So now let's look at some of the verses that many churches today just, just pass over. They pretend that they're not there, even though they're so plain. Start with Matthew 8, verses 8 through 12 which I believe it was Tertullian cited uh, just in the quotation I read to you just a few minutes ago. We read, this, this is the centurion who had the uh, a servant who was uh, very ill. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And I say to you that many will come from east and west, these would be the Gentiles, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom, that's the Jews, will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Right, from Jesus again, Matthew 21, verses 33 through 43. He says, here another parable. There was a certain landowner who planted a vineyard and set a hedge around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a tower. And he leased it to vine dressers and went into a far country. Now when vintage time drew near, he sent his servants to the vine dressers 
that they might receive its fruit. And the vine dressers took his servants, beat one, killed one, and stoned another. Again he sent other servants, more than the first. And they did likewise to them. Then last of all, he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the vine dressers saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and seize his inheritance. So they took him and cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those vine dressers? They said to him, He will destroy those wicked men miserably and lease his vineyard to other vine dressers who will render to him the fruits in their seasons. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures, The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruits of it. Now here we have Jesus himself out of his own mouth telling us in language that is so plain, I don't see how we could not see it, that the kingdom was going to be taken from the Jews and given to another people who would produce uh, the fruits of it. That the sons of the kingdom would be cast into outer darkness. We're looking at quite a few other passages because this isn't a matter of proof texting, picking a verse here and there and trying to put something together. It's a matter of looking at what the New Testament says, what all the verses say on this subject. Okay, Matthew 22, verses 2 through 9. We read, And Jesus answered and spoke to them again by parables and said, Now, I, I hope beyond all hope that you guys were able to hear the audio recording since I had my mic on. I know that um, I wasn't able to see any messages from anybody in the chat, so, you know, I really had no way of knowing if you could hear it or not. Now, I stopped it there because um, I'm going to read the, la the scripture he was about to read, and then we are going to go on to the next part of uh, tonight's program because of time and the way things have worked out tonight. Uh, the next scripture that he was reading showing that the in the new covenant the election changed um, a lot of dispensationalists like to call this uh, replacement theology it's not replacement theology it's called biblical theology and the doctrine of Christ now, am I saying that the church replaced the Jews as God's chosen people? No. I'm saying, and, and neither were the early Christians for that matter. Um, what I'm saying is, and, and I hope you guys noticed, if you heard, uh, one of the quotes that, or one of the, the early Christians he quoted from was Irenaeus. Irenaeus was a disciple of Polycarp. And Polycarp was a direct disciple of the Apostle John. And 
I mean, who is more likely to be right about these things? Um, direct, I mean, disciples of the apostles themselves or dispensationalists who are 2,000 years removed from the time of Christ and the New Testament. Of course, it would be the disciples of the apostles, the early church. And it's plain as day in the Word of God. What The thing that dispensationalists love to say, one of the core doctrines of dispensationalism is this, and that is that they take the Bible literally. Okay, well, if they took the Bible literally, then they would not be Satan's tool for the deception of the church and the deception of believers for the past 200 plus years. I mean, the second part of tonight's program the revenge of the synagogue of Satan, the, the main way that the synagogue of Satan was able, or the way that they chose to enact their revenge on those who uh, took their place in the election and or as the election, and as the Israel of God, is was by Christian Zionism and dispensationalism, which there's really no difference in the two. Now, allow me to say this. When I talk about the synagogue of Satan, I want to make this clear. I'm not talking about ethnic Jewish people. The synagogue of Satan are, and the synagogue of Satan is one thing and one thing only, and that is the religion of rabbinic Judaism. The religion of rabbinic Judaism today is the exact same religion that the Pharisees of Jesus' day practice. And the things that Jesus came up against and rebuked uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees about are the exact same beliefs and practices that are still the core beliefs and practices in modern-day rabbinic Judaism. Uh, the only thing that's changed is the name of the sorcery in the synagogue of Satan. It's the, the name of the sorcery that had has truly been done in the synagogue of Satan since the Babylonian captivity, and even before that, um it today and it, of course it started if you 
if any of you have read my book, um, Origins of Evil, Book One, Kabbalah, uh, I lay this out perfectly in the chapter called Synagogue of Satan, um, and also the the chapter called um, <sighs> Ages of Pharisees and Sages, but the Kabbalah is just the name that was given to the sorcery that was it was taking place in Jesus's day and before Jesus's day. The only difference is before it was called Kabbalah, it was called Merkabah mysticism. And Merkabah mysticism, just like Kabbalah, uh, you know, is what your esoteric uh, Luciferian secret societies and your Luciferian doctrines are based on. You know, uh, Freemasonry uh, is based completely on rabbinic Judaism except and Kabbalah except for the um, the degree of the Shriners the Shriner degree and in order to be a Shriner you um, have to have completely completed all of the degrees in both the York Rite of Freemasonry and the Scottish Rite. Before you can become a Shriner, you have to uh, have gone past the 32nd degree in Scottish Rite and then the highest degree in York Rite. But uh, the Shrine is actually the, the uh, Order of the Shrine that is based on. Uh, Another religion that is actually the enemy of Judaism, and that is Islam. The Shriners are the the that degree of Freemasonry is based upon Islam. When um, you're inducted into the Shriners, and you have to. Uh, do the ritual to become a Shriner, when you are saying the blood-curdling oath, you place your hand not on a Bible, but a Quran. And, you know, that's a topic for another program, but the point is that Rabbinic Judaism is the synagogue of Satan. And through dispensationalism and Christian Zionism, the synagogue of Satan, rabbinic Judaism, has infiltrated the Israel of God. You see, the way that Israel changed, the way that the election changed and the kingdom of God changed you see the gospel message was not 
uh, how to be born again. The gospel message was not uh, accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior necessarily. All of those things were definitely what Jesus taught and a part of the reason he came. But the gospel itself, Jesus himself taught that the gospel, and he calls it the gospel of the kingdom. So the message of the gospel is the kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God is at hand. That is the message of the gospel. Um, as a matter of fact, in Matthew 24, the passage of scripture where uh, Jesus is foretelling the destruction of the temple and in uh, 70 AD and uh, his eventual return in the end times and the tribulation and, and all of that stuff and the judgment. Um, the thing he says, the very last thing that has to happen before the end of time comes is Jesus says, that the gospel of the kingdom will be preached unto all the world for a witness, and then the end shall come. And also, before he ascends up to heaven, of course, Jesus tells his disciples to go forth and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, which, of course, the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost is the name of Jesus, by the way. But uh, the message that Jesus told the disciples to go and spread all over the world was the gospel of the kingdom. Now, I am going to read you this last scripture really quick that David Berceau was about to read for the proof text of, um, of the changing of the election. See, the, this, this, is what, this is a scripture he was about to read. And it is in Matthew 22, starting in verse 2. And Jesus answered and spake unto them again parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king, which made a marriage for his son, and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. And again he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it, and they went their ways, one to his farm and another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and killed them. But when the king heard thereof, he was Roth, and he sent forth his armies, and he destroyed those murderers, and burn up their city. Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidding were not worthy. 
Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find, bid come to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways, and they gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good, and the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guest, he saw there a man which had not only a wedding garment. And he said unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called but few are chosen. And both this parable, along with the parable in Matthew 21, is talking about the kingdom of God, or is talking about the... Uh, Okay, I can see your um, your chat messages now, but they are very, very light to where I cannot read them. Probably because this is white and um, the the screen that I have on here is white and the chat is white, but. Um, I'm going to say this really quick before we move on. The In the parable in Matthew 21, the it starts in verse 33. The householder is, it says, The householder which planted a vineyard and hedged it round about and digged a wine press in it and built a tower and let it out to husbandmen. And went into a far country. And when the time of the fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the husbandmen, that they might receive the fruits of it. And the husbandmen took his servants, beat one, and killed another, and stoned another. I'm going to stop right there. The husbandmen here are representative of the Jewish people at this time, the time which Jesus is giving this parable, the time when Jesus came to the earth is representative of the physical nation of Israel. Not every uh, Jewish person, of course, but the nation as a whole. Because the nation as a whole rejected Christ. And we're about to see this. Um, and again, he sent other servants, more than the first, and they did unto them likewise. But last of all, he sent unto them his son, saying, Surely they will reverence my son. Now, the he here... Um, at the beginning of the parable, it uh, it tells 
about the householder. So the he here is the householder, and the householder is representative of the father. And it says, of course, surely they will reverence my son. But when the husbandmen saw the son, they said among themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and let us seize on his inheritance. And they called him and cast him out of the vineyard and slew him. When the Lord thereof of the vineyard cometh, what will he do unto those husbandmen? This is the question that Jesus asked the uh, Pharisees. And they answered him and they said, He will miserably destroy those wicked men and will let out his vineyard unto another husbandman, which shall render him the fruits in their season. So they understood the parable that Jesus was giving, that Jesus was, this wasn't just a parable, this was a prophecy. He was saying, you are going to reject me. Israel as a whole is going to reject me. And he asked them, what do you think the husband, I mean, what do you think the, uh, What do you think the Lord of the vineyard will do to those husbandmen, which is representative of the father? So he asked, what do you think that God is going to do to you for rejecting and killing his son? And they understood the parable, but they didn't understand that he was talking about them, the elect. But they answered correctly. And they said, He will miserably destroy those wicked men, and he will let out his vineyard unto others, which shall render him the fruits in their season. And, you know, Jesus <laughs> answers and says, Did ye never read the scriptures? The stone which the builders rejected, the same is become the head of the corner or the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, say I unto you, the kingdom, and he tells them flat out, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation bringing forth the fruit thereof. So he tells them that because of their rejection and rejection and uh, crucifixion of him, that he is going to give the election, the kingdom, to others. And you know, of course, the first uh, parable that was read was in uh, Matthew 8. And uh, I'm not going to uh, read the entire thing, but um, it's about the, the centurion. And he, Jesus tells the centurion that um, 
he has not found such a great faith in all of Israel. And he says, many shall come from the east and the west, meaning from the Gentile nations. And they shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom, who are what? The original elect, the original uh, chosen of God, who the old covenant was with. The old covenant was with the physical descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Um, Jacob was Israel. His children, his 12 children became the 12 tribes. And Joseph, of course, his two children um, became two half-tribes, making up the 13 tribes of Israel. And those were the original children of the kingdom. But Jesus says that they will be cast into outer darkness, and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. But that the Gentiles, many from the Gentile nations, will come forth and sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Now, like David Perso said, um, this may seem, um, it, it may seem like it's being uh, anti-Semitic, I am going to, uh, now that I'm done playing that, I'm going to uh, plug my headphones back up. It may seem like that it's being anti-Semitic, but it's not because the election changed and the kingdom changed. But the new covenant, it's clear in scripture, uh, and I read this last week, uh, in the program I did last week on salvation and the new covenant, the new covenant as taught or first uh, prophesied in Jeremiah was made, and it's in Hebrews, and I'll read this really quick. Um, the new covenant is uh, talked about in Hebrews if really from chapters 8, 9, and 10 is uh, where it talks about the New Covenant. Um, chapter 8 says, Now first, like I said, the Old Covenant was made with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, right? And Jeremiah says that the new covenant will also be with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. And it says here in Hebrews chapter 8, Now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum of these things. We have such a high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not man. For every high priest is 
For every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices, wherefore it is of necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer. For if he were on earth, he should not be a priest, seeing that there are priests that offer gifts according to the law, who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. For see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern showed to thee in the mount. But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry, by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant which was established upon better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. But for finding fault with them, he saith, Behold, and this is uh, uh, verse 8 here, is quoting from the book of Jeremiah. And it says, For finding fault with them, he saith, and them is the Jewish people, he saith, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers. And this is all in Jeremiah not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt because they continued not in my covenant and I regarded them not, saith the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts and I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor, and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me, from the least to the greatest. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. In that, he saith, a new covenant hath made the first old. Now that which is old and decayeth vanishes away. So Hebrews 8 literally tells us that there is a new covenant and because the old was simply a shadow of Jesus Christ and when Jesus Christ came, he fulfilled the old covenant perfectly um, that the covenant that the new covenant prophesied in Jeremiah that was to be with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, this is that new covenant. So there is a new covenant and it has replaced the old as far as um, the laws are concerned and uh, who it's with is concerned. However, Jesus himself said 
that he did not come to destroy the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them. And that until heaven and earth should pass away, that the not one jot nor tittle of the law would pass away. And you have a lot of people who are who misunderstand this. I myself misunderstood it for a long time. And I have heard many well-meaning people um, try to use this as an example. And I'm not just talking about Hebrew roots people, although they definitely use it. But many well-meaning people use this as a reason to say, see, we are still supposed to keep the Sabbath, do the feast, and everything in the law. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't do those things. Those of you who know me know that I observe the Sabbath, that I keep the feast of the Lord, but I don't do it because I have to. I do it out of, I keep the Sabbath out of um, love for the Father and because uh, God Almighty and Jesus blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So I keep the Sabbath for that reason, out of obedience. And as far as the Feast of the Lord go, I keep them in place of the pagan festivals of the world, like Easter and Xmas and Valentine's Day and Halloween and so forth and so on. But what Jesus was actually saying about the law not passing away until heaven and earth passed away was this. First of all, if there's a new covenant with new laws and Jesus broke down the new laws in the covenant, I mean, in the New Covenant, first of all, as far as the Ten Commandments go, he gave two and said that if you keep these two, which are love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your strength and everything that uh, that commandment says, as well as love your neighbor as yourself, if you keep these two, then by default, you will keep the rest of the ten. Now, not only that, as far as the rest of the Mosaic Law, the reason that it is still in place is told here in Hebrews. Now, it's clear here in Hebrews that the new covenant replaced the old for those who are in the new covenant. So if you are in the new covenant and you have become a part of the Israel of God, you are a citizen of the kingdom of God, and you have um, become, you know, if you are in this new covenant relationship with Jesus Christ, which is a love-faith relationship, this new covenant that you have entered into with Jesus Christ, it is literally written in His blood. 
And if you are in this new covenant with Jesus Christ, then what Jesus was saying about the uh, old covenant law does not apply to those who are in the new covenant because the laws of the new covenant are of course keep the ten commandments but keep the the two that he said um love the lord your god with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself and also jesus said those who love me will keep my commandments keep my teachings Jesus gave commandments of his own, new commandments for the new covenant on the Sermon on the Mount and other places in the scriptures. Uh, John chapter 14 and 15 is an excellent place to uh, see this. Uh, the um, Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, as well as uh, the book of Hebrews. Now, where the old law, for, or the law from the old covenant, Paul talks about this. It is the law of sin and death. Okay? We know the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is, of course, eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, and he says... Paul says plainly that the law, the the Old Testament law, is the law of sin and death. Okay? So, those who are not a part of the new covenant, those who are not in the Israel of God, they are what? They are under the Old Covenant. Because, friends... The in the new covenant, what does it say in Hebrews and in Jeremiah? That it was made, this new covenant was made with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, just like the old covenant. The difference is, Israel itself has changed. It's no longer, I mean, Jesus is clear about this. He, he took the election away from these physical people. You know, a physical ethnic people and gave it to those who deserved it. And we none deserve it, but what I mean is those who did not reject him, those who accepted him and, you know, came into covenant relationship with him. And that means Jew and Gentile alike. See, we have to take the scriptures as a whole. We have to take everything that is said in the New Testament and all of the epistles, we have to take them all as a whole and interpret them through the red letters of Jesus Christ. If you do this, then you will not get caught up in demonic doctrines like dispensationalism which I now have come to understand is now I'm not saying that they are that there are not 
Christians who are dispensationalists. But I am saying this, that dispensationalism is the weapon that the enemy has used through the synagogue of Satan to infiltrate the church, to infiltrate the Israel of God. Dispensationalism and all its lies, how God didn't uh, forsake the ethnic Jews, how God, how they are still God's chosen and elect, even though Jesus himself said they were not. Now, not that, now what Jesus did say and what the Bible is clear on and the early church fathers taught is that a remnant, not all of Israel, just the majority, but a remnant, of course, followed Jesus Christ and didn't reject him. And we see this same thing all throughout the Bible in the Old Testament too. Even when the majority of the Israelites would uh, go whoring after other gods and they would, you know, get caught up in idolatry and sin, there was always a remnant who remained faithful. Even during the Babylonian captivity, there was a remnant who remained faithful. You know, we see Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, um, and there were others who were there in that Babylonian kingdom who were faithful to God. Now, this is true as well in the New Testament, in the New Covenant. The church was started, like the true church fathers were who? The apostles. And the apostles were all, all of them, as far as the disciples who became apostles, they were Jews. So all of the church fathers, the actual church fathers, were ethnic Jewish people. But once the new covenant was established, it was these ethnic Jewish people who were teaching other Jewish people as well as uh, Gentiles that um, in the new covenant, Israel itself changed. It, the New Covenant was made with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, just not the physical descendants of Abraham. Now it is the Israel of God and a spiritual kingdom. And all who accept Jesus Christ are heirs according to the promise and Abraham's seed. Now, one of the scriptures that David Berceau was going to share in talking about Israel um, was in 
I want to say it's in Galatians. I'm almost positive. It's where Paul talks about the natural branches, talking about the ethnic Jews, how they were cut off so that the um, wild branches, which are the uh, Gentile believers, although um, in the Israel of God, there is no Jew or Gentile. There is only the Israel of God. There, That's it. But on this earth, there are people of, dif of different ethnic backgrounds. And, and Paul describes those of Jewish descent as the natural branches. And he says that the natural branches were cut off and that the wild branches were grafted in and he tells the wild branches the the um believers in i want to say it was in the book of galatians he tells them not to be high-minded and think and i'm paraphrasing and think themselves you know better than uh, the Jews who were cast out, he says, if God did not spare the natural branches, how much more so will he also cast you out, cut you off of the tree? So, you know, he Paul says clearly that all of Israel who rejected, and when I say Israel, I'm talking about the Jewish people by blood, the ethnic Jewish people. All of them who rejected Jesus Christ were, I mean, that was it. That was the divorce. Now, they were, we know that the nation of, or the kingdom of Israel was divorced in the Old Testament, and it was only the kingdom of Judah who um, was sent into captivity in Babylon, but that God, you know, brought them out of captivity, and he didn't completely divorce them and scatter them all over the, the world. Um, now, some people, this is why I know that the whole 144,000 in the New Testament um, about them being actual ethnic Jews is hogwash. Uh, and none of the early church fathers believed that either. But the reason that I know it's not ethnic Jews from, you know, these scattered so-called lost 10 tribes of of Israel along with the other two being um, Judah and Benjamin is because God's elect is not about blood, flesh and blood anymore. Dispensationalism says it is. That is why dispensationalism, especially in the end times, and friends, the end times began 2,000 years ago. The Bible is clear that the end times began when Jesus uh, ascended up to heaven. Uh, 
who did thee believe they are? Who who are you talking about, Evie? Um, it says, uh, who did thee believe they are? Um, I don't understand the question. I'd be glad to answer it for you. Um, I just don't know who thee is. Okay, the 144,000. Um, I've actually got a teaching on that here on the channel. Um, you, you can find it if you scroll through um, the videos here on uh, NCRN, the NCRN YouTube channel. There's a teaching on that. But the 144,000 are, they are, uh, from Israel, I'm sorry, I know y'all hear the banging. I've been on for quite a while, and my son is in here with me, and he sat so patiently for such a long time, but he is definitely uh, getting antsy and um, tired of, of having to sit quietly. But um, anyways, the 144,000 are, um, if you are a believer, you and me. Um, it is representative of the Israel of God. They are, um, you know, Israelites just from the Israel of God. And, um, you know, I uh, in the teaching, I prove that. But I don't think I did a good enough job proving it because even though this is what I've known to be true from reading the the Bible for at least the past two years. Um, I I didn't have all the answers as far as how to uh, prove to people that the 144,000 were not actual ethnic Jewish virgins from each tribe, um, but now I need to redo that episode because now I can um, prove it, and I can prove it from the Word of God. You know, before, whenever I did that video, um, you know, I gave a lot of opinion, but anytime I share my opinion, I let people know, hey, this is my opinion. I, I, um, you know, I'm not saying thus saith the Lord. I'm saying that this is what, you know, this is my understanding of this right now. Um, well, see, the thing is, it doesn't say that they don't know the touch of a woman. It just says that they are virgins, um, which, of course, would mean that, they didn't know the touch of a woman. But see, the thing is, um, you won't find any... It, it, it's like the millennium, okay? There is only one passage of Scripture in the entire Bible that talks about the thousand-year reign of Christ. Um, and that is in Revelation chapter 20. Now... The 144,000 is the same way. The only time the Bible talks about the 144,000 
at all is in two chapters in Revelation. Two different places in Revelation. In Revelation chapter 7, and then again in Revelation chapter 14. Okay? And the book of Revelation, you know, I've been talking tonight about taking the Bible literally. I believe we should take the Bible literally, completely. It means what it says, and it says what it means. That also goes for the book of Revelation. But the book of Revelation is obviously full of what? Allegories and symbolism. So, in order to take Revelation um, literally, you have to literally understand that it's full of what? Symbols and allegory. So, if you take a passage like Revelation chapter 7 or Revelation chapter 14 as literal uh, 12,000 ethnic Jewish virgins from uh, each of the 12 tribes, then you are doing what so many do that aren't meaning to do anything wrong, but instead of just uh, reading the Bible and reading it for what it says and the way it was written, and if you're going to use a, if you're going to use any kind of literature like um, a commentary on the book of Revelation, do not use any, and I mean any, commentaries that were written after the third century. The early believers, well, there is a couple written in the fourth century. Eusebius did a great job um writing uh, on the book of Revelation and, you know, church history as a whole. Um, but mostly in the first, second, and third century. But if you're going to use a commentary, use one from the people who were alive during the time that it was written and shortly thereafter, um, before, of course, um, Constantine, the Council of Nicaea, and the corruption of the church. You see, that was the first thing that happened. And the biggest problem, the, and this is where um, the revenge of Satan began with the infiltration. First, he got the Israel of God, the those who were in the kingdom of God, who were set apart from the world, who did not um, do the things of the world, who didn't take part in government or any of the other worldly things that uh, non-believers did. What happened was the enemy used 
Constantine and the pride of men to completely undo what the apostles and the church leaders of the second and third century did. And it all started with two things. One was Constantine was made a honorary, this was not even a Christian. He was just the emperor of Rome and he was made an honorary bishop and he was allowed to proceed to preside over the council of Nicaea. And he also started paying the church leaders, you know, the bishops and the clergymen, the leaders in the church. Constantine decided that they deserved a wage. So what he did in a sense was this was the, as far as Christianity is concerned, this was the precursor to the Roman Catholic Church, and it was the merging of church and state, okay? So first he began to pay the clergy members. The second thing that happened, and this is what really ruined the church, and that is the church leaders who in the times past, the century before, and centuries before, they, their entire doctrine and belief system was based on one thing, and that was the simplicity of Christ. They, they, it was based on um, the... Nicene Creed, pretty much. Um, and people hear Nicaea and they think uh, that this is somehow a bad thing, but it's not. Um, but really, uh, if you look at the, um, the thumbnail for tonight's program, those three things that are in the thumbnail, separation from the world, um, I can't remember everything that's in that thumbnail, but separation from the world, uh, brotherly love, and I can't remember the third thing, but those were the core, the foundations of the Christian church. There was no, uh, you know, schools for theology there were there were no theologians in the church there were no church leaders that were theologians until after Constantine and when the theologians started making church uh, doctrine and started uh, making policy for believers, we see what came of it. What happened was the kingdom that turned 
the world upside down literally became the watered down Catholic Church that ended up bringing about things like the Inquisition and uh, countless other atrocities. Thing, you know, first off, the early, the first, second, and third century church followed the doctrine of Christ only, the simple words of Christ. They obeyed the commands of Christ. They abided in his love. And that meant they gave to the poor. They themselves remained poor. They were separate from the world. They despised war. They did not take part in war or any of the things of the world. Well, it went from that to the church waging war and saying that war was okay as long as it was against um, the infidels or the non-believers. Satan first used the pride of men and, I mean, it was just like what happened in the garden, pretty much. Um, he beguiled the leaders of the church through earthly things, you know, promising them and giving them things. And the church started having, you know, a time of peace and they were no longer persecuted for the first time in 300 years. Well, when the church was persecuted, it thrived. While the church was being persecuted, people were, <laughs> man, people might have been being killed. They might have been being thrown to lions and having their heads cut off, being burned at the stake. But, they did it gladly. They refused to deny Jesus Christ. And because of their tremendous faith, just like what Jesus promised, that nothing would be impossible for them, it wasn't. They healed the sick. They rose the dead. They did just what Jesus said they would do. Even greater things than he did in his earthly ministry. That's exactly what Jesus promised. And while the church did not compromise and it was a kingdom set apart from the world, it did the same things that Jesus himself did through the Holy Spirit and more, just as he promised. But as soon as they allowed the mixture between the church, I mean, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. As soon as they allowed this hybrid to be formed, the church was, it lost its power. And guess what? Other than a remnant, just like Old Testament times and New Testament times, there was only a remnant of true believers that remained. And it was like that 
from the time of Constantine all the way up until today. Y'all thought I was going to say the Reformation. No, no, no. The Reformation had just, and the Protestant Church had just as many problems as the Catholic Church. Thank God for the Reformation. It brought the scriptures to the common people. And it was God doing things that would allow for the end time remnant of God to get back to kingdom Christianity, which is what the remnant report is all about. You know, I used to do as many shows as I could on things like the Nephilim and... Oh, man, just, you know, fallen angels, the the fringe topics that everybody loves to talk about, the hollow earth, and especially when I was doing my podcast only, I wanted to get as many views as possible. I tried to get a ton of interviews, and I was only worried about getting subscribers, listeners, and worried about people, you know, holding me up on a pedestal, thinking that I was the next fill-in-the-blank. You know what I mean? As soon as the Lord opened my eyes and the Holy Spirit pricked my heart, and I stopped caring about ratings and views and stop caring about only doing these clickbait fringe topics and started focusing on kingdom Christianity and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and telling believers or those who claim Jesus Christ to repent, repent and go back to kingdom Christianity separate yourself from the world so that we can because friends I don't know how many of you saw what the president said in his address to the nation on the ninth but friends as much as you've heard me say that the Jab is not the mark in its current form. What the puppet did on the ninth literally, literally paved the way for two things. And I quit listening too, but I know why I was able to see and hear this. Because the Lord made sure I did. Because it's something we all need to see. Because it's Bible prophecy. 100%. He completely paved the way for a two-tier society. And that is the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. Because what he did in his six-part plan, part of that was 
mandatory vaccinations. Right now, as of the 9th, the vaccine is mandatory for all workers. Every company who has a hundred employees or more, and that's not it, uh, say this particular, say we're talking about a restaurant chain. Of course, this McDonald's doesn't have a hundred employees, but the corporation does, and that's all that matters. They have mandated it, and not only that, they, uh, you, you need to go and listen to the things he said. Friends, right now, about 50-something percent of the United States has gotten the jab, and 40-something percent have not. That number will, for who's taken the jab, is going to continue to go up, and eventually... The holdouts, the people who are refusing the jab, will be true believers who see it for what it is becoming. And eventually, I'm telling you, I am no prophet. I'm not. But the Lord has blessed me with discernment and the ability to read the scriptures and see the things happening in the world and put the two together. And I'm telling you that I don't know when the beast is going to rise to power. I don't know a date. And I would not presume to set one. But I will say this. The agenda behind every bit of this great reset and this so-called disease is one thing and one thing only. And that is to bring about the beast system that will be in power in the tribulation. The new world order that the elite have been trying to put in place for their master <laughs> since longer than this, but at least since the 1700s. Now, yeah, uh, Kenneth, what he did definitely could have made it to where it will be. What he did couldn't have made it in its current form, the mark, because in its current form, the way it is given is not doesn't line up with what Scripture says about the mark. However, the Pentagon, as we speak, are uh, uh, fixing to implement something because they're They've had a problem in a lot of states with people having fake vaccination cards. People having, you know, people forging their vaccinations. So there has been this huge outcry for, uh, because they're saying that the, the COVID pass and all that on the phones 
are not enough that not everybody has cell phones and people will find a way around it so there's been this huge outcry for what do you think a microchip well not only that but at the same time that this huge outcry from the public no less for a microchip to be placed under the hand or in the hand the um lost my train of thought oh the uh the pentagon the department of defense and um darpa the um defense advance research project um i think is what it stands for but all of them together in uh connection have created guess what what do you think they have created a microchip and this microchip doesn't go in the arm or the neck or anywhere like that they say that there's two places that this microchip can go for it to do what it needs to do one place is under the skin in the hand. Now, I will say in fairness, it doesn't say the right hand or the left. It just says the hand. But the other place is in the forehead. Now, you cannot, I mean, you can't make this stuff up. This, the reason that they say it has to be placed in one of those two places is to connect to the central nervous system as well as to um, be able to do what it needs to do. And what this thing is capable of is not only letting them know whether you've been vaccinated or not, but it also lets them know the for the people who have it who's positive and who's negative if you have it yeah yeah yes i certainly did um and and i am Kenneth, the Antichrist spirit, you're right, it is here. Not um, only is it here now, but John told us that the Antichrist spirit has been here since he wrote his epistles, his letters. You know, so the Antichrist spirit has been around for 2,000 years. And it is certainly around now, but I'll go you one better, Kenneth, and I'll say that the Antichrist is here. I don't usually like using the word Antichrist in reference to the man of sin, the son of perdition, the uh, first beast of Revelation 13, although that is definitely what he will be. 
But I got off on rabbit trails tonight and did not get to finish the last half of the program, which was about the revenge of the synagogue of Satan. But the rabbit trails that I got off on and the, you know, the rants that I went on were important and needed to be heard. Um, you know, uh, but no, he, he will be the Antichrist. Jesus said, I mean, uh, John said that many Antichrists would come. And Antichrist just means false Christ. And Jesus said that many false Christs would come. So, you know, there's there's nothing wrong with calling him the Antichrist. Um, I just try to stray away from the term because the Bible says that there will be and have been many of them. So in order for people to understand, you know, who and what I'm talking about, I like to say, you know, the first beast of revelation or the man of sin, son of perdition, you know, seed of the serpent, all the things that he's called. But, uh, I'm going to say this in closing um, because I have got to uh, you want to come say hey buddy? You come say hey. Come on. He's been so patient tonight guys. He really has. This is my little man. I'm going to tell you something. He if, if the world stays here long enough this one here, he is going to be a mighty man of God, I'm telling you. And he is, he's gonna, he's going to be a spirit-filled preacher of the word. Ain't it right? All right, buddy, you can, uh, you can go sit down. I promise I'm almost finished. Um, uh, what, um. What I want to say in closing is this, um, instead of going into the revenge of the synagogue of Satan, I want to um, let everybody know about the things that are going to be happening with the Remnant Report. First of all, um, I don't know how many of you listen to the podcast. I know that a lot more people um, that I know personally uh, watch the live streams rather than listen to the podcast. However, the Lord has really put it upon my heart to focus on the podcast more. Not only that, but to stay I'm not I'm not posting to Facebook any I mean I'm not streaming live to Facebook anymore even though there are more episodes of the remnant report um, on the kingdom productions page than there are on this YouTube channel or on the podcast um, I'm not gonna be streaming live to Facebook. I may upload the videos to Facebook, but I'm not going to stream live because, um, like I said, 
most of my viewers, uh, they are on Facebook. And you may be saying, well, if most of your viewers are on Facebook, then why in the world aren't you just streaming to Facebook only? Well, this is why. Um, the people who watch on Facebook, you know, I, I'm able to to see who watches and uh, how long they watch and everything else. Well, if I'm doing a program like the one I did tonight, <laughs> good night, Tia. I love you, sister, and uh, I will talk to you soon. Um, if I'm doing a program like the one I did tonight, it, uh, like the, the last one I did on Facebook was on salvation, according to Christ, versus the once saved, always saved lie and the sinner's prayer. And the last time I checked, the thing had 70 views total. <laughs> Well, that's about, I mean, I, I, I get that many views on YouTube most of the time. Uh, and out of those 70 views, because it was not on one of the fringe Christian topics or on the CV bug or the jab or the mark or something like that, out of those 70 people, the majority of people only watched like 15 minutes of it and they cut it off. And, um, you know, on, on YouTube, even though I have less people who watch, I think a lot of that is because people have already watched on Facebook. So they, there's no reason for them to watch on YouTube, but the people who do watch on YouTube, they watch the whole video, and they watch um, programs like this. I don't know how many people are watching live now, and I don't have a, too many live viewers on YouTube anyway. But uh, I have, you know, after it's over, people will watch it, and it may get forty views by the end of a the week may get a hundred views by the end of the week. But out of those views, it's people who most of the time are not even subscribers. I looked the other day and 70% of people who watch the remnant report on YouTube are not subscribed to the channel. So they probably aren't believers. That means that we're getting, here on the Remnant Report, we're getting the gospel out to people. And they're also watching the whole program. And the reason that I'm going to be focusing on the podcast is because it does better than both the uh, Facebook live stream and the YouTube live stream combined. The podcast is in 17 different channels, and it's on about every podcast platform that there is. And I wish that 
I would have said this before I uh, before I said everything else about the program because people have left. But the podcast, I've started something new with the podcast. I've started um, because of how many uh, people wa- uh, listen to the podcast and how many plays and downloads it gets and whatnot. Um, the podcast was able to, um, they gave me the option to create a subscription for the Remnant Report. So I did. I created a subscription for the Remnant Report. Uh, the subscription is through Spotify. So, um, I think you can, you know, you can still subscribe even if you're listening on another platform. But the subscription, it's a monthly subscription. It's 99 cent a month. We're talking about a dollar, okay? A dollar a month. A dollar a month will help spread the gospel all over the world, more than the 17 countries that are already hearing the gospel. And for that dollar a month, you'll get every episode that's already on the podcast. And the reason why I said that, you know, even those of you who watch the live stream should also listen to the podcast is because there are podcast episodes that I do that are on the live streams. You know, I do audio, although I do take the audio from the live streams and put them up on the podcast, you know, I do podcast episodes that are not on YouTube or Facebook. So there are, you'll, if you listen to the podcast, you'll be able to, you know, you know, if you've already seen the live streams of those episodes, then don't listen to those. Why uh, listen to the episodes you haven't seen in a live stream? But with the subscriptions, you get, um, First of all, every subscriber gets on top of the episodes that are there an extra episode a week. And I put the if you go to the Remnant Report podcast right now, the newest episode up is one of the subscriber specials. It's an episode that's supposed to be for uh, subscription listeners only. However, I didn't put it on the subscription. I left it open for any and everybody to listen to so everybody could see the type of episode, because it's a bonus episode, the type of bonus episode that you'll be able to listen to every week. Now, these bonus episodes Almost all of them are interviews. The newest one that's up is an interview uh, with Tom Horn and um, Steve Quayle. It's really good. It's only like an hour long, but it's really good. And so you're going to, with the 
you know, for the 99 cent subscription, you're going to get, you'll be able to listen to all the regular episodes plus an extra bonus episode a month. Then on top of that, uh, each subscriber, everyone who subscribes will get a free copy of my book. And, I mean, and the book itself is 14 bucks. And, I mean, for a dollar a month, you're getting a $14 book, an extra um, episode that's a really good interview. And you're also going to get an audio book. On in the podcast, I will be putting an audio book up as an episode every month. Not every week, but every month I will be posting an audio book. And I have got a ton of them that I have been given by people. We're talking big name authors. I'm not using any dispensationalists because you know how I am about dispensationalism and more than that, how God feels about it. But these are people who are sound in their doctrine and almost all of the ones who have given me permission to share their books on my podcast, they uh, the books themselves are... End Times Bible Prophecies books. Um, I'm not trying to make money here, guys. I'm not. If I was, then... I mean, those of you who watch the Remnant Report, have you know good and well, you've never heard me ask for a dime. You've never heard me say, uh, please pray about supporting us. No, I haven't. Because I don't do this for money at all. I do this because it is what I'm supposed to do as, well, Kenneth, if YouTube will not let you go live, and, and the reason that is, you have to have at least a thousand subscribers to go live from YouTube, but I've been going live on YouTube since I had a hundred subscribers. And one, no, since I had 34 subscribers on my other channel before I started using the Next Chapter Radio Network channel, um, NCRN has had at least uh, eight or nine hundred subscribers since I uh, started using um, our network channel. But the thing you have to do, what you have to do to be able to go live. Uh, on YouTube is use um, a, uh, a a streaming service like right now I'm live on YouTube but I didn't go live from YouTube I'm streaming to YouTube from the uh, studio that I use some people use Streamlabs some people use this, that, or the third. I use Prism Live Studio. For me, it is 
the best that there is. Um, it's got the chroma key feature where, you know, you can change your background. You know, I've got, and I usually change my background depending on what show I'm doing. Tonight, I've got the Remnant Report logo behind me. But regardless, um, it doesn't matter if you are going live from a cell phone or if you are going live from a computer. Prism Live Studio has an app for cell phones and they've got um, software, streaming software for computers, whether it's a laptop or a desktop. So what I would recommend doing is uh googling um googling what uh prism live studio and uh i will put the link to prism live studio in the description to this channel i mean to this video and i will also be putting two things for the podcast i'm going to put a link to the podcast but i'm also going to put the link to, um, to become a subscriber um, so that is uh, all that we are going to be discussing tonight I have been on for a lot longer than I planned um, been on for almost two hours tonight and tonight was supposed to be an hour long program but the information that we covered was vital it was important and the Lord wanted it shown extremely bad. I know this because the enemy did his best to keep us from doing tonight's program. But not only did we be able to do the program, and the reason for that is, you know, Satan's already lost. We already have the victory through Jesus Christ. So, you know... Um, we were able to do the program, and not only that, but we got all the information out, and everybody who was watching in the beginning came back to watch, and then some. We had new people watching. So, my friends, God is good all the time, period. We serve a mighty God, a holy and a just God. And guess what else? Jesus Christ is God. Friends, I love each and every one of you. I truly do. It does not matter if I know you personally and talk to you all the time or I have never met you and you've never watched before. I love you with all of my heart because I have the spirit of truth inside me and the spirit of truth and the love of Jesus requires me to love everyone, my neighbors, my friends, and my enemies. And even if I didn't want to, I couldn't help it. And uh, so I love all of you guys and uh, for Kingdom Productions and the Next Chapter Radio Network, I am the Remnant Warrior saying until next time, good night, grace and peace.